This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. So we're going to answer a a question, an age-old question. Let's pretend that it is an (laughs) age-old question. And it kind of is. I mean, debt consolidation, uh, that concept's been around for a long time. Certainly bankruptcy has been around for a long time. So what Blair's going to do in this segment is weigh those two. Is it better to go bankrupt or do debt consolidation? So this is the criteria if you're struggling to decide whether to consolidate your debt or file for bankruptcy, uh, Blair's going to take us through some very key considerations that will help you weigh between borrowing, more borrowing or bankruptcy, as well as the third option that uh, can sometimes offer the best of both. So let's start with debt consolidation, Blair, something I feel like has been around for a long time, at least the term is. What are some of the pros and cons to weigh when it comes to uh, debt consolidation? Yeah, thank you, Elaine. It's such an important topic because just about everybody that we meet with at Sands and Associates, one of the first things they try to do when they find themselves struggling with debt is to try to consolidate that debt, to put it all together and reduce the interest rate. And let's spend a couple minutes just, you know, from a definition point of view, what are we talking about when we talk about debt consolidation? So most of the time, we're talking about something that you do with a lender, and it follows a basic concept that you borrow a lump sum amount from one lender. Maybe it's a new bank you haven't dealt with before or an existing bank that has one of your debts. So you borrow a bunch of money from them and you use these borrowed funds to pay off multiple other debts. So there's a number of ways that you could do this. Some of the common ways that you would do this through a lender would be a debt consolidation loan or even a home equity loan. Uh, sometimes it's a loan line of credit or an overdraft, or sometimes it's a balance transfer to a credit card. Uh, regardless of how you actually consolidate the debt, the advantages that you're trying to achieve here, uh, first off, is you're trying to simplify things. So you're going to have fewer monthly debt payments to juggle. You might have three or four or more different small bills each month. So putting them together, it's one due date, one payment that you can put into your budget. Life is more simple that way. Um, ideally, you're going to free up your monthly cash flow and be able to save some money in the long term because the whole point typically to consolidating is you want to reduce that interest rate. So you might have a bunch of debt that's at a very high interest rate. And if you're able to achieve a lower interest rate on your consolidation loan, well, then you're ahead on a monthly basis on on a cash basis. Uh, And then you can generally have a clear timeline as when you're going to be paid off those consolidation loans. So a lot of consolidation loans are for a specific period of time. It's not the never, never plan. You might be on with a credit card where it's, hey, you make the minimum payment and it's going to be debt decades before you start to see yourself debt-free. So with a consolidation loan, it can be a more clear timeline. So those are some of the advantages. Well, what are the downsides? Well, it's really difficult to qualify for a consolidation loan, especially at really good interest rates, something that's going to help you solve the problem. Uh, you usually need to be able to prove that you have stable income 
and a high credit score. Um, and even those two factors might not be enough uh, for a bank to decide to take a risk because you know if that bank is going to be advancing their money, paying everybody off in full, they're going to want to have some assurances that that loan is going to get repaid. So sometimes a consolidation loan can only be approved if you're going to actually pledge an asset as security. Sometimes it's a vehicle, um, sometimes it's an investment or something else, or what can be even more troublesome and definitely more emotional. Uh, sometimes they want to guarantee by a cosigner, uh, which we've talked a lot in the past about, you know, when is it wise to cosign or to ask someone to cosign your debt? Almost never is this a good idea. You add a whole extra layer of emotion. If you ever can't make those cosigned payments, um, those those consolidation payments, your cosigner can be on the hook completely. Uh, and then in the future, if you decide you need to restructure your debts, maybe in a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal, you often feel limited in doing that because you know that cosigner is going to be on the hook. So you've got to be really careful if you're only able to get a approved for a consolidation loan by adding a cosigner, you might be adding more risk than there is benefits there. Uh, you know, another factor to consider is that the monthly payments and the cost of borrowing can be very high. So the concept of debt consolidation is that you're going to save money on a lower interest rate, but you need to make sure you've looked at all the fine print, done the math, and uh, worked out the total cost of borrowing before you proceed. There's a number of new debt consolidators that I've seen in the last three, four years where they'll agree to consolidate a debt, but they'll do it at 39.9% interest or 49.9, wow. something that just seems almost criminal. It's not quite because over 50 is criminal. So they stay under that. Uh, but you do need to be careful if you're getting a consolidation loan. Are you actually saving money or are you increasing your interest rate? Uh, I've seen that just too many times at this point where people were focused on a monthly payment, but didn't actually understand understand how increased their costs were going to be in the long term over interest. Um, and then finally, you just want to make sure that the term of the consolidation loan is something reasonable. I would suggest nothing more than five years. Shorter than that is, is even better. Uh, I've seen terms of seven, eight, ten. It's even possible uh, to consolidate debts over a 25-year period if you decide to roll them into your mortgage and pay it off like everything else. And you can imagine paying off a consolidation loan for 25 years. That's a long time for you before you can start to move forward. Wow, is that ever? That's crazy, that, uh, that interest rate, though, Blair. Wow. Mm -hmm. That is almost criminal. Um, well, yeah, so and it's, it yeah. really is. It's, it's lender of last resort. So if you find that you're turned down by the banks, but you know, you will be approved by, you know, this relatively new lender. I don't want to throw names out here, but folks will probably know if they start doing some research here. Uh, you definitely yeah. want to look at all the fine print because we're just seeing tons of this where people have done consolidation, thought they were doing the right thing and just ended up with just an unmanageable interest charge each month. Wow, incredible. So before we get to the third option, uh, and you already know that you want to do something and you need to sit down with someone and talk about the best plan of action, whatever that might be, give Sands and Associates a call, sit down with someone and talk to talk to them about your next steps. 1-800-661-3030 is the phone number. Okay, Blair, another opportunity to talk about this third option uh, besides debt consolidation loans or bankruptcy. And I, I know it's one of your favorites. Definitely one of my favorites. It's the consumer proposal. And what's fascinating to me as a trustee and someone who also handles all of our, our online marketing is so many of our consumer proposal clients came looking for debt consolidation. They were either able to get a 
unable to get approved or only able to be approved at something that just wasn't good for them. But they didn't understand that a consumer proposal is another method of debt consolidation that you don't need to get approved for. Your credit rating is not a consideration at all. And what's powerful in a consumer proposal is, first off, puts all your debts together. So it's that same simplification, just one monthly payment. But what's hugely different is your interest rate is literally zero. So not reduced down to something reasonable, literally cut to zero on all of your debts. And what's even more powerful than that um, is in a consolidation loan, of course, you have to pay back 100% of the principal plus interest. In a consumer proposal, it's very rare that a proposal calls for 100% repayment of the debt. If there's someone that has, you know, very significant home equity and could pay the debts in full, a proposal might have to pay the debts off in full as well. But for the vast majority of individuals, a proposal can reduce the debt often by up to 80%. So it can be a huge difference between a very high consolidation payment that might go on for years and cost tens of thousands in interest to a consumer proposal, which by law can't extend beyond five years, by law has no interest whatsoever, and is based on your ability to pay, which is usually some fraction of the total amount outstanding. Uh, with a consumer proposal, you've got the same protection from your creditors as you would have in a bankruptcy, but it's not a bankruptcy. It doesn't reflect on your credit the same way. You never have to answer, yes, did you do a bankruptcy? No, you did a consumer proposal. You avoided a bankruptcy. So a lot of the times when people are weighing debt consolidation versus bankruptcy, the third option of a consumer proposal really merits a serious look as well. And I just want to throw in here before we go to the next question that a licensed insolvency trustee is the only one who can facilitate a consumer proposal. Don't let anybody else uh, suggest to you that it's something that they can do if they're not a licensed insolvency trustee. That's so true, Elaine, and it's so key because so many people, when you start to research, they get, you know, dragged down a rabbit hole of, oh, you need an advisor, you need a referral, you need someone to guide you through this. You don't need any of those things. You see a trustee for free at Sands and Associates. We file proposals with no payments up front in every case. So we'll work with you to structure the proposal. If we decide it's, you know, a $250 a month proposal, we'll file it and you just start making those payments the month after. So there's no big barrier to accessing this, um, this option. The big barrier is just knowing about it um, and, you know, having the, the will to reach out for help. Exactly. So let's go back to bankruptcy for a second, Blair. When might bankruptcy make more sense than debt consolidation or a consumer proposal? You know, there's no single answer to when bankruptcy is best, but there's a number of factors that can kind of indicate whether someone's going to be able to be successful on a debt consolidation basis, or if bankruptcy is a better option, it's going to give them more certainty and ability to complete the process, because you don't want to get into a debt consolidation, you know, three or four years in and suddenly can't make the payments because it was never set up for success from the start. So when a bankruptcy might be best is if your income is very low, or if it's very uncertain. If your income fluctuates considerably, maybe if it's not documented, or if, it, if it's considered low by lender's standards, you might not be able to get approved for financing through a lender. You might be looking at more than non-traditional lenders at very high interest rates. And even then, if your income does vary a lot or is quite low, especially in a current high inflationary environment, it just might not be a payment that you'll be able to make each month uh, without having to choose between you know food, heating, or debt payments. And we know exactly what's the right priorities to have 
have there. So the income is very important. Uh, sometimes if you don't have any assets, again, it can be really difficult to qualify for a debt consolidation loan because you'd be asked to pledge assets. If you don't have any, you can't do that. Uh, but it's also, if you don't have any assets, well, bankruptcy can be that much easier of a proceeding. So most people keep all of their assets in a bankruptcy. But in some cases, you know, if someone has a significant investment or an RESP or something else like that, uh, you know, they might be asked to surrender that if they filed the bankruptcy. If you don't have those, uh, those types of assets, bankruptcy is that much more of a streamlined um, process to go through. But the biggest issue is just you have the consistent ability to repay a portion of your debt. Uh, if you can't see on your monthly budget that you could repay even, you know, a third or a quarter of your debt uh, on a monthly basis, that's a good indication that probably bankruptcy is a better option for you to consider. And uh, and we talked about SANS and Associates or Licensed Insolvency Trustees, the only people that can facilitate. Uh, well, I want to say that you'd want to facilitate, a, uh, that have to do, facilitate a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal, debt consolidation. I mean, do you, uh, you guys don't even do that, do you? Well, no. So we don't lend any money. So as a right, trustee, we're right. not permitted to, you know, to be a lender. That would be an incompatible occupation. We wouldn't want to do that. But right. as part of our code of ethics, we have to be completely agnostic to whatever option a person chooses as long as it's best for them. So if someone sits down with us and we can see, well, they've got a good income. They potentially could qualify for debt consolidation. That's something we'll recommend that they explore. We'll give them some referrals. A lot of the time, people have already done that, have already been turned down. So we say, okay, you've tried that option. Here's a few others that we can do. Um, but if a trustee is your first call, you can you can bet that the trustee would also explore debt consolidation options with you. Great. And that's really what I wanted to make sure and, and ask you about, because that's what I want people to do. I want you to be their first call because you're going to mm -hmm. give them all the options and work with them and, and figure out the best course of action to take. Uh, exactly. For information, again, with Sands & Associates, their website is sands-trustee.com. It's just filled with great information, questions and answers. If you want to give them a call, it's 1-800-661-3030. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. So in this segment, it's called Consumer Debt Facts and Fictions, separating some key facts about consumer debt and debt solutions from fiction. The old adage, knowing is not owing. So if you were faced with a debt problem or are facing a debt problem or having trouble making all your monthly debt payments, would you know what your rights are and what the remedies could be? So do you know where to turn to for qualified debt advice? Well, Blair is going to separate some important facts about consumer debt and debt solutions from common fiction. And you might be surprised as we go through these thinking, oh, I thought that was true. <laughs> and in fact, no, it's not. Uh, so I want to start with the, the recent BC Consumer Debt Study that was uh, done by Sands & Associates. And they do it, you do it every year, don't you, Blair? That's right. Yeah, it's our, I think, ninth issue this year. But yeah, every year we ninth. do it. Yeah. And so finding that only 5% of consumers that they talked to said they got professional debt help right away or started looking for it right away. And then when they were asked about reasons for delaying getting that professional help, 29% of the people polled said it was because they didn't know where to get the help. So Blair, how do you, what do you say, what do you say to that? That's quite high, 30%. 
Yeah, well, we've got more work to do, uh, Elaine. So I, I hope <laughs> if folks are listening, they, they understand, you know, that most people, they're not aware of the things we're talking about on this show. So there's just a really significant gap in financial literacy in Canada. And even though access to credit is so normalized, you know, everyone's expected to use credit, use credit cards, you can barely use cash at some places. Now, there's just such a lack of openness and general knowledge about debt. Uh, and especially when there's a problem, you know, it's really not clear where individuals should go for help. You know, people might know in general, okay, when they might turn to an accountant or a lawyer or a financial planner, but most people have no idea when they should reach out for debt help, and they don't know that a licensed insolvency trustee can be their best ally to deal with a debt problem and help them move move forward. So, you know, shows like this, topics like this, Elaine, they're all about taking the stigma away, and I'm always so happy we can go through um, segments where we're going to talk about facts and show, you know, what's true and what's not, and really give some straight, good, some practical advice for people as, as they face situations. And I think, Blair, what you said was really important. Um, we are constantly faced with all these options to get more credit, how to get money, how to do it this way or do it that way, but very little information on on good counseling around money or if you do get into a problem, how to fix it and how to fix it well as opposed to the other things that we're confronted with all the time like uh, pay loan debts and or not pay loan debts but um, what are they called help me Blair when pay loan debts that's what it is oh, somebody going oh, for payday, a, yeah. payday loans yeah pay, payday loan that's it I got my yeah. words switched oh, yeah. around the all right the so first yeah the first thing the first piece of fiction most consumer debt problems are bad due to uh, are, are due rather to bad budgeting and overspending people are in debt because of bad budgeting and overspending and what do you say to that? Yeah, you know, the, the general conception is, you know, people who go bankrupt, they just made bad decisions. And, you know, if I or whoever else were facing the same situation, you know, I could have had a different outcome if I just made a better decision. Um, and, you know, there's a piece of that. You know, what we found is about a third of individuals, actually less than a third, about 28% of people who had filed a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal, they said that, yeah, the reason I'm doing this is because I overextended my credit because of general financial mismanagement. I just made some mistakes and, and that's that. I probably could have done something different. Okay, that's 28%. For the vast majority of individuals, uh, the reason why they're seeking help with their debts has nothing to do with any decisions that they've made, good or bad. It's just that something has happened in their life, an external shock that's left them unable to honor the obligations they thought they could if that, if that shock hadn't happened. So the four of the top five causes, uh, one is essential cost of living that income couldn't cover. So we've all seen people use credit uh, increasingly over the past couple of years as inflation has increased. Um, and people are saying, you know, cost of living has just outstripped my ability to pay for it. That was about 18% of people who filed for insolvency said there's nothing different that I've done. It's just this, it's become so expensive to live and I've had to use credit to fill the gap. Um, the other three causes, uh, one is illness, injury, or health-related problems. So uh, you can imagine if you're ill, your income is often interrupted. You may or may not have really good disability coverage. So that's a key driver of people seeking help with their debt is suddenly their health has, has been compromised. Uh, marital or relationship breakdown, uh, traditionally a very high cause of people seeking insolvency help because suddenly you've got to divide uh, various assets. You've got to reestablish a household. Quite often if the marriage deteriorates, there's not same focus on financial um, stability and making good decisions that there might have been just due to the issues the couple is dealing with. Uh, and then finally, the last one, job-related issues, unemployment, layoff, reduction in pay. So if you think about it, you know, no one tries to get sick. Uh, no one intends to get divorced. 
uh, and certainly no one intends to you know be laid off from a job that was that was paying the bills so the vast majority of people that need help with their debt they might have done all the right things as, as we often say but they end up in a situation where they might be needing to file either a bankruptcy or a proposal so the fact that most debt problems are due to bad budgeting or overspending complete fiction it's a very small percentage it's generally due to circumstances outside of an individual's control and nothing says uh that more quickly uh and devastatingly than i know a pandemic right i mean things can change at the turn of a dime these days uh your situation is this and then all of a sudden it's that so uh such good advice there uh and if you know if you already fit into that category and you know that you need to take some action and want to take some action to deal with your debt situation give sands and associates a call 1-800-661-3030 and get started so uh blair can you take us through some other facts and fictions that are often misunderstood when it comes to sort of overall responsibility for a debt yeah, this next one we, we still run into quite often, so it, it definitely uh, bears spending a little bit of time on. And the fact is that getting married does not make you responsible to your spouse's creditors. So just very clearly, you are not responsible for repaying the debts of your spouse simply by virtue of marriage, cohabitation, or even if, God forbid, they were to pass away, you don't inherit your spouse's debt. So it's a common misconception that spouses become legally responsible for paying each other's debts once they're married. We've probably all heard the phrase, you know, you marry somebody, you marry their debt. It's a complete falsehood. You do not assume responsibility uh, for a spouse's debt just because you become married, cohabitated, had a child, anything like that. Um, the only way a spouse can be responsible for another spouse's debt is either a one on a very deliberate basis. You decide you're going to co-sign, you're going to co-borrow, you're going to sign together for something that could be a loan, a lease, or a credit card. So if you keep your finances separate, that's not going to, to cause any issues. The other scenario um, is if one partner incurred a bunch of debt when the relationship was going on, but then the relationship ends, there's a divorce under the BC Family Law Act, um, some of those debts can be split with the other uh, other partner, even though they didn't incur the debt, they could be asked to pay half. But that's not the same as, say, Visa trying to collect from two two different people. Visa can still only collect from the spouse who owed the debt. That's one spouse making a claim to the other, saying, you know what, I want you to pay half of this debt that we incurred together. But the vast majority of cases, especially if the marriage or relationship is going to continue, there's no automatic relationship between being married and suddenly owing each other's debts. So many couples would make different financial decisions uh, if they were aware of that fact, because I've seen far too often uh, a couple gets married, one person has a bunch of assets, the other has a bunch of debt, um, and the person with assets sells those assets to pay off the family debt thinking they had to do so. Meanwhile, they could have kept those assets and the person who had the debt could have restructured it, perhaps done a proposal, and the family unit would have been that much better off. So make sure you understand clearly what you owe and what you don't owe. And just because a collection agent or someone at the bank tells you, well, this is a joint responsibility, you know, demand the proof of that. Make sure you can see where you signed to be jointly responsible. And if you haven't, well, then there, there's no basis for that liability. Okay. What about old debts? Do they, do they ever expire or disappear? Well, that's another good good question. So this is the fiction that old debts eventually expire. And in many fictions or many falsehoods, there's an element of truth. So let's, you know, dig a little bit deeper on this. 
So debts don't typically expire after a given amount of time. But what does happen is the creditor's time in which they can take legal action against you does expire. So in the province of BC, you might have heard about a two-year statute of limitations. And if you haven't, let me be the first to tell you, there is a two-year statute of limitations on basic consumer debts. And what that means is from two years from after the date the debt was incurred or the last payment against it was made, or the last written acknowledgement of the debt was made by the person who owes the money. So even sending an email saying, yeah, I owe this money can reset that two-year clock. But if it's been two years or more since any of the above things have happened, the creditor who's owed that money can no longer take legal action against you to force you to pay. So if you owe somebody money, they can call you, harass you, threaten to take you to court. But until they actually take you to court, they can't start seizing your assets, taking your wages or anything like that. Um, if they've waited more than two years since the day you last made a payment or signed an acknowledgement on the debt, well, then they lose that right to ever take you to court. So again, it doesn't mean that debt is expired. It doesn't mean that that debt is suddenly gone and will never reappear again. It does mean that you can't be taken to court to be forced to pay that debt. So for some people, that's a lifesaver. You know, they're maybe 70, 75 years old on pensions, aren't too concerned about a credit rating. They'll just say, well, there's nothing they can do to me anyway. They can call whatever. If someone is earlier on in their financial life, they still might want to deal with that debt because it will be a negative mark on their credit. They might have new collectors, you know, every few months harassing them. Uh, but legally, after two years, there can be nothing that's going to force them to pay that debt. Uh, one carve out on this is it's for most consumer debts, but it doesn't apply to anything like child or spousal support arrears, which I think people would generally get. You can't wait out those obligations and make them go away, nor would you want to. Uh, you can't do this for any debts you've already been sued for and there's been a court order against you. Um, that doesn't have a two-year limitation period. And finally, if you have any government debt, whether it's the CRA or something like ICBC, there's no limitation period. But things like credit cards, payday loans, lines of credit, all of those are subject to the basic two-year limitation period. Okay. Now, we've just got about a minute left, and, and I want to talk a little bit about the CRA. Uh, I only need to worry about Canada Revenue Agency if I owe money, and, and you say that's fiction. That is fiction because a lot of people think, well, I'm not going to file a tax return this year. I don't think I owe them money. And then they get a few years behind. It's actually worse in CRA's mind to not file a tax return than to file a return where you show a balance owing. They view that filing a return is, you know, the basic price of living in a civic society. So don't become a non-filer because eventually what CRA might do is what's called an arbitrary assessment where they just basically file your taxes for you, make up a number, and then you have to go through and disprove that. And suddenly they might start collecting against you pretty heavily. So there is hope when there's CRA debt, a trustee can help you reduce that debt, but it all starts with getting those returns filed. So even if you don't think you owe money, get the returns filed every year. And if you do owe money, make sure you file those returns because it will put you in a better category than otherwise. Okay, excellent. Um, and if you want a place to start, if you're thinking, oh my gosh, you've just described my situation, what do I do now? This is what you do. You give them a call, Sands and Associates, at 1-800-661-3030. Or check out their website. You can certainly get an appointment through there and look at all the terrific information they've got for you uh, that sometimes might explain something a little bit better so you know for sure that's the step you want to take in any event. The website address is sands-trustee.com. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands and Associates, helping you get out of debt. So this segment's all about what happens if I can't make my payments. Here's what creditors can do if you don't make your payments and 
information on where you can get help. So no one expects to end up in a situation where you can't make your bill payments. And the anxiety of not knowing what might happen or if there's anything you can do is so overwhelming. So Blair's going to talk about um, what, and it can really explain what creditors can do should you find yourself dealing with a debt problem and where you can get help. Um, and I think this is such a great segment because things are more expensive today than they were six months ago, right? Like our basics mm -hmm. have gone up such a degree that people have to be feeling the pinch in a significant way. Because I know my wages haven't gone up 30% like the price that the grocery stores have, right? I mean, that's the, that's, that's the thinking, I think, right? Well, yeah. And Elena, I've been a, a trustee working with individuals for it was about my 13th year now. I've never seen um, such a rapid run up in consumer costs, you know, for, from gas to groceries to oh you know, everything else on, under the sun. So we know the consumer is more stressed than ever before. And from our point of view as a firm, it's been since February, our phones have started ringing and they haven't slowed down. They didn't slow down for summer. They're starting to ramp up even more for the fall. So we just know there's an increasing number of individuals in the province of BC who are feeling really stretched financially. And might be in a situation where they actually have to start start missing some payments. So getting some clarity on what that actually means and doesn't mean, I think that can only help a number of people who might have to have to face some tough choices about paying the credit card bill or paying the grocery bill. Again, the right answer is don't pay the credit card bill. You deal with your necessities each month, but you need to know about the repercussions if you do start to miss payments. And I think sitting down with somebody from Sands and Associates, whether it's you or anyone else in your in your offices all across the province would be such a good idea, even if you're not in that situation yet where you you are going into debt at a rapid rate or slowly, but it's like you can see the writing on the wall, like I'm not going to be able to s sustain this with the amount of income that we've got coming in. What can I do? And and this is one thing that I think this segment's all about and, and one of the reasons why I enjoy doing this show because boy, oh boy, people just fall into situations to no fault, literally no fault of their own um and and need some assistance and and you provide that so i i think that's great yeah so you think it's no no fault of your own well covid19 how many of us are at fault for that nobody exactly. but how many of us are still feeling the impacts years later well all of us so uh, exactly. you know there's one example and there's many others you know um talk to someone who's had a sick child that they should have done something different there's nothing they could have done nothing they've done to deserve a tough situation like that so uh, many times people make an assumption that you know all financial difficulties are correctable and they're due to bad behavior my experience is in the low single digit percentages maybe are that the vast more than 95% of the time, people did the best that they could and life just smacked them across the face. Sorry for such a, a metaphor there, but you know, life happened. Exactly, in a significant way. And the pandemic was enormous for, for all of us. It didn't matter what kind of situation you were in, there were impacts. Okay, so let's talk about possible consequences if I cannot make a payment on time. For example, like on my credit card bill. Is there anything that I can do? Is there anything I can do, period? Well, in terms of consequences, you know, one missed credit card payment is not the end of the world and it may not even impact your credit score, but it's a mistake that's going to cost you a little bit of interest. And if it's something that continues, if you start to miss more than one payment, well, then definitely the, the repercussions are going to start to happen. But for a single late payment, well, you're going to get charged some interest charges. So if you don't pay your balance on time in a credit card bill, that's the whole point. So they go back to the date of your purchase and charge you interest from then. Uh, you could have some late fees. So depending on the credit card, some of some 
some really new fees in there that you may not have known about by paying your bill late. Suddenly there's the interest charges and some dollar fee on top of it. Um, sometimes there can be a credit bureau note, but as I said, just with one missed payment, you're probably okay. But if you start to get into two or three months of missed payments, definitely your lender is going to start to report to the bureaus that you have missed payment and every notation on your credit report, whether it's even a bankruptcy uh, or just a single missed payment, it's on there for six years. So a single missed payment on there for six years, that's not going to be a big deal. But if it's a hallmark, if there's a pattern of that, that's really going to make you less credit worthy when someone looks at you in the future, if they can see a big history of missed payments. Okay. So I just want to throw in the phone number right now for Sands and Associates. It's one one. 800-661-3030. The website sands-trustee.com. Okay. So that's just if one payment is missed. Um, what could happen if making my debt payments is really becomes an ongoing issue, like goes on for a couple of months? What can I expect? Well, you know, sometimes I, I've used a little bit of the analogy. It's like you're drowning and instead of someone handing you a life vest, you know, they, they put the water hose in your mouth, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So what your creditors will do is they'll start to escalate things. So if you're already having trouble paying a, on the whatever interest rate you're at, they often increase that interest rate. So sometimes you're on a preferred annual rate. And when you start to miss payments, that can go much higher, sometimes even double. Um, what also happens is after about three months of missed payments, uh, the bank essentially gives up on the customer relationship. You may have been a great customer for 20 years and think you deserve a certain level of respect and treatment. After three months of missed payments, the banks will typically get a third party collection agency involved. And if you've ever you know, heard recordings or had the the unfortunate situation of having to take some of these calls yourself, uh, you'll understand these people are trying to intimidate, to coerce, um, just to try to do whatever they can to try to get you to make the pain go away by paying this debt. So you're no longer dealing with the bank, you're dealing with a third party collector who might be paid on commission, who doesn't have a whole lot of need to understand and won't value anything about your longstanding customer relationship. Uh, in some cases, uh, banks may exercise what's called the right of offset. So this means if you miss a payment and you got a bunch of money in your checking account with the same bank, maybe you just deposited money to pay your to pay your rent the next day, the bank can go into that account, clear out the amount of money that's there that, that's basically required for the missed payment with no notice to you. And that might leave you short to actually make something like your rent payment. Uh, they might decide to block or cancel any future charges or services on the account. Uh, and then finally, they might decide to take legal action against you. So if you are sued, it's not something criminal, you typically don't go to jail, but two things that can happen is your wages can be garnished if you're sued for a debt and they succeed in proving to the court it's a valid debt that you're not paying. Up to 30% of your wages in the province of BC can be taken before you receive them. Your employer has to give them to a creditor who sues you. Um, or even assets like a vehicle uh, or your house, they could register on title to your house or even seize a vehicle. So all of these things, a licensed insolvency trustee can help stop. But if you don't reach out for help, if you don't get protection, uh, potentially those, those actions just continue to escalate until things can, can, be, can just become very unbearable. So if I think I'm at risk of legal action by a creditor uh, for money that I owe or, or an unpaid debt, what do I need to know at this point? Well, I think the biggest thing is just to call for advice right away. So call to a licensed insolvency trustee. It's often the case if you work with a trustee to restructure the debt before the creditor has had to spend money to sue you to take you to court, they're a whole lot more likely to accept a proposal for 20 cents on the dollar if they haven't had to spend thousands of dollars on legal fees and taking you to court and so on and so forth. Um, and even speaking to a trustee just to know what creditors can and cannot do. Because if 10,000 people owe money, 10,000 people will be threatened with a lawsuit, but who 
actually will get sued, I've seen numbers as low as one in 10,000 people. So just because you're being threatened about legal action, it might not be worth the paper it's printed on, or it might be there in court next week. So you really need to get some advice about it to understand if it's a real threat, if it's something you need to deal with, um, or if this is just very early stages, it's just someone trying to rattle your cage, but you still have times to deal with things. And the thing, you know, the number one lesson here is don't ignore it. Like if this, mm -hmm. if these things are happening, you need to do something. And that something is to call Sands and Associates. Yeah, like you have to be notified of legal proceedings against you. But if you've stopped opening your mail, you know, you might have default judgments against you. You might not even know until your wages or assets are being seized. So it's just so important not to ignore the problem, to know there is help out there. It doesn't cost you anything to figure out your options with a trustee. Um, and certainly if someone's being sued or starting to miss a ton of payments, you know, those are urgent situations. And we can give you a lot of peace of mind, even just in a single meeting. And would stop you from from doing something that you might otherwise do in a complete panic uh, by calling, by calling and making an appointment. Yeah, like cashing in RRSPs or surrendering things you don't have to surrender or taking advice from a collection agent who is so clearly against your best interest. So definitely you need to get all that good advice first. Yeah, and and one place to do that is is going to the website for Sands and Associates. It's sands-trustee.com. And the reason why we talk about the website is because it's just filled with so many good questions and really thorough, thoughtful answers that will give you the information you need so you can take the next step, which hopefully will be to give them a call at 1-800-661-3030. Sit down with someone from Sands and Associates. They've got offices all over British Columbia. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands and associates. Well, we always use the term licensed insolvency trustee about, I don't know, a dozen times when we throw out the show. <laughs> um, but if you're not familiar with the term, don't feel bad because it, it is kind of one of those terms you go, a what, a who, what do you do? And you don't know anything what it is they do. This segment is going to give you some really good information about what a licensed insolvency trustee does. Uh, and of course, we're, we're coming from the basis of we're talking about Sands and Associates uh, with Blair Manton, who happens to be president of uh, BC's largest firm of licensed insolvency trustees. So we're going to learn about debt help professionals, what we call licensed insolvency trustees. And it's kind of a new term, relatively new term. Is that right, Blair? Yeah, I guess new is a, is a relative term. As you said, I think it's about the last four years or so. Um, this term didn't exist before then. Every trustee was called a trustee in bankruptcy. Uh, and that was an intimidating term um, because for us at Sands & Associates, only about 15% of the work that we do is actually bankruptcy work. About 85% of the work that we do is helping people restructure their debts by doing a consumer proposal. Uh, so thankfully, our regulator, Industry Canada, decided a few years ago, the consumer needs to know more, not less about trustees needs to be less intimidated. So they decided to change the name to show that a licensed insolvency trustee, first off, is licensed by the government. So we're the only Canadian professional who's empowered to use the remedies that are enshrined in Canadian law to give you a fresh financial start. So things like a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal, only a licensed insolvency trustee can do so. Uh, and then, you know, the words insolvency and trustee, well, insolvency just means you're in a situation where you can't pay your debts or the professional that would help you. And then the idea of a trustee is obviously there's trust in that word. So it's someone that's an impartial, unbiased professional who's empowered to just be basically be a referee to explain the rules of the road to help everybody understand the rights and responsibilities and to really help an individual access as i said the government sponsored remedies that can help you get your financial life back in order 
And I want to throw in there too um, that if you that if you think you you need help with your your debt situation, and, but you're not quite sure, and you're also you're also that person to sit down with and talk to it, and and you can look at the situation and go, oh well, okay, well you're doing this this and this, and maybe you want to think about this as a as an add on, or maybe you should think about this, or blah 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 blah. Like I mean, you're you're more than than that official title gives. Uh, or mm-hmm. suggests, I think. Yeah. If people are thinking, you know, when's the right time to consult with a trustee? Well, if you're having any worries at all about your debt, it's probably beyond the right time. You probably should have reached out, you know, even a little bit sooner. Um, I have nobody who has ever regretted having a meeting with us because if nothing else, even if you don't need our services, we're going to take the time to explain everything about the options that are out there. What are your rights? What are the creditor's remedies? Um, And as we start to to look potentially to a recession, to, you know, continuing inflation and people having difficult times, uh, we know that there'll be someone in probably everyone's life who's going to have a difficult financial time. So even by having that first consultation, with a trustee, if it's not for you, at least you will know that you could help others by saying, okay, there's a professional out there that will sit down with you, no charge, everything is confidential, and just help you figure out what's your best way forward to deal with the debt situation that you might be facing. So for far too often, far too many people, they suffer in silence. From our research, it's up to two years from when someone knew they had a debt problem to when they're finally at our door, reaching out, getting that help and starting to feel better. So anything we can do to shorten that two year period of suffering, that's obviously going to help the individual. It's also going to help the people who are owed money because they can get a resolution that much more quickly too. So from every situation, um, don't hesitate to reach out. There's It's never too soon to start to learn what the options are and what's out there. Great. Do you want to talk about the qualifications that a licensed insolvency trustee needs to have before you sort of hang up the shingle and and go to work for folks? Or do you want to talk more about the kinds of things that people know sort of who who a licensed insolvency trustee could help? Well, I think talking about the qualifications is helpful right. because, you know, yeah. people should understand when they're dealing with a trustee, this is not someone um, who, you know, just last week decided to get involved in debt help and is not going to be able to know enough to give you good advice for a complicated situation. Yeah. Uh, trustees, typically, it's about a five-year course of study. So it's a federally regulated industry. Uh, we have to operate as neutral, independent parties, ensuring that everyone's rights are respected and protected. There's about between 900 to 1,000 licensed insolvent trustees across Canada. Not all trustees do consumer work. Some people just focus on corporations. At Sands and Associates, we help in both situations, but definitely a lot more on the consumer side. Uh, What happens when you become a licensed insolvency trustee is you have to satisfy the superintendent of bankruptcy. That's literally a person in Ottawa who reports in uh, to the Minister for Industry Canada. You have to satisfy the superintendent that you've met all the qualifications, which is successfully completing a course of study, which again is about three to five years or so passing a national exam that runs for a couple of days and typically about 50% of candidates pass. It's that difficult. Uh, you have to successfully complete a qualification course for counseling. So being able to deal with people in a very tough situation, making them feel comfortable to open up, but still giving them the right tools to move forward. You have to show you have that expertise. Uh, and then finally, if you've passed all of those hurdles, you have to have an oral exam with a panel of an insolvency lawyer, a representative from the superintendent, and an experienced trustee. 
and you have to be deemed of good character and reputation. So all of those hurdles you have to get over before you can call yourself a licensed insolvency trustee. And the reason for that is that public confidence in the system is just so important. If all stakeholders can't believe that an independent qualified professional is going to give the straight goods to the creditors, the people who are owed money, as well as the straight goods to the individual who is owing the money, uh, well, then the system can't function if that trustworthy person isn't sitting in the middle and facilitating um, good interactions on all sides. Yeah, very good. Very good. So if I come to sit down in your office, um, what what can I expect? You know, how, how does the process not so much work, but what can I expect to hear or to deal with at that point? Well, definitely you could expect to be treated with dignity and respect. You know, that's just table stakes for any client that we deal with at Sands and Associates. They're not coming here to get judged. They're coming here to get helped. And um, that's what all of our staff take to heart. So you're going to talk to a qualified expert, someone who's going to take the time to understand your situation. You know, we typically book one client an hour. If you need the whole hour, great. Some people need, you know, 20 or 30 minutes, but there's not, not going to be someone stacked up behind you if you're just starting to get into your story. We want to understand your situation, your needs and concerns. Um, and, you know, the proof's in the pudding. So, you know, this is something we have to live, but it's a conversation with someone that genuinely cares and wants the best for you, wants to offer you the right solutions, regardless of whether they include SANS and associates or not. So the people we have at SANS, some of our most experienced people have been with us almost 30 years. Uh, some of our newer staff have been with us a couple of years, but to a person, they're all here for the right reasons. They're here to help people, um, you know, not to make them feel judged or feel any worse for reaching out for help. You know, in terms of situations, it can be someone just looking for general information on how to deal with the debt. Hey, I think I'm doing this. Is this a good idea? We can help to validate yes or no. Uh, sometimes people are unsure about their legal rights and remedies are in a debt situation. Hey, what happens if I miss this payment? You know, this guy told me he can just come and take my car tomorrow. Is that true? Well, we can tell you all about that. Uh, if you're concerned about an urgent crisis or there might be a conflict with a creditor, maybe there's a wage garnishment or a legal action, you know, we can obviously step in the middle to stop that or even just give you some advice on what potentially is coming. Um, even if you just have bad credit and you say, you know what, I'm sick of having bad credit. I'm sick of not knowing what I owe. I want to move forward with a financial fresh start. A trustee can put together a plan to help you get back to zero, start to rebuild your credit and move forward for the future. I think that's that's such an important piece of, of this whole process, too, that, um, yeah, there's there's tons of really not complicated, but really, you know, factual things. You need to provide this kind of information and this is what you need to do. And you know all those ins and outs and you dealt with people for so long on so many different levels and so many different situations. But there is a caring involved. Uh, and I've said this before. I've met a few staff and boy, oh boy, they actually sit down and, and they, they do care about your situation and want to help you move forward. Uh, if you want to check out their website, please do. It's a terrific one, sans-trustee.com, uh, filled with good questions and loads of answers for questions you may have. Or if you want to give them a call, this is the phone number. It's a 1-800 number, 661 3030. And Sands & Associates has offices all over British Columbia. Now, what's the latest number, Blair? That you've got. I believe we're at 25 now. We're in every nice. corner of the province. You know, Kitimat, Prince Rupert, Cranbrook are our newest offices. So anybody in any community in BC could reach out for help. That's excellent. Plus, of course, they do so much online these days as well. Uh, you're listening to Dollars and Cents, and you just heard from Blair Manton from Sands and Associates helping you get out of debt. You've been listening to Dollars and Cents. See you next time.
The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.